Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Congress hears from the Pentagon brass. It is clear, it is obvious, the war in Afghanistan did not end on the terms we wanted. The deep divide between Democrats and the White House over the Biden Build Back Better plan. We're obviously at a very sensitive time. I understand the interest, but I'm going to try not to say anything that gets me fired today. Panic buying and hoarding as gas stations run dry, but this time it's crossed the pond. I didn't think it would be as bad as it actually was until I actually came out on the roads and it was awful. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, September 29th. I'm Rich Thomason. We asked and you responded. Just a few weeks ago, one of America's leading nonprofit law firms, First Liberty Institute, asked patriots like you to sign their letter to help stop President Biden's radical scheme to pack the U.S. Supreme Court. Since then, a quarter of a million people have signed on, with tens of thousands joining their coalition every day. Franklin Graham, former U.S. Attorney General Ed Meese, Dr. James Dobson, the Family Policy Alliance, the Heritage Foundation, they're all on board. But we only have until September 29th to include your name before this goes to the Biden Commission. Look, if we don't stop the radical left from installing four more justices so they can rig the system in their favor, it will end the rule of law as we know it in America. Please, sign your name now. Go to SupremeCoup, that's C-O-U-P dot com, to sign First Liberty's letter. That's SupremeCoup dot com. God bless America. Daybreak Insider's Greg Clugston says that Congress looking for answers about Afghanistan. In congressional testimony, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley said he thought a few thousand troops were needed to guard against a collapse of the Afghan government and a return to Taliban rule. We should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that. General Frank McKenzie, who oversaw the final months of the U.S. war, said he agreed with Milley. At the White House, spokeswoman Jen Psaki said military advisors were split, and she defended the president's decision to pull out. He's the commander-in-chief. He's the president. He makes decisions about the, what's in the national interest, and he believed we should end the war. Townhall.com's Katie Pavlich writes that during last month's interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos, as the withdrawal from Afghanistan was underway, President Biden claimed that he was never advised to keep a small residual force of U.S. troops in the country. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton and California Congressman Kevin McCarthy both taking to Twitter to say that someone is lying. Defense Secretary Austin tells the Senate Armed Services Committee the U.S. can contain terror threats to Afghanistan without having any forces in the country. Over-the-horizon operations are difficult but absolutely possible. And the intelligence that supports them comes from a variety of sources and not just boots, just U.S. boots on the ground. He admits the U.S. may have overestimated its ability to build a viable Afghan government. We helped build a state, Mr. Chairman, but we could not forge a nation. The fact that the Afghan army that we and our partners trained simply melted away, in many cases without firing a shot, took us all by surprise, and it would be dishonest to claim otherwise. 
Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley delivering a full-throated defense of two phone calls he made to his Chinese counterpart, saying that he was responding to concerning intelligence, suggesting that China was worried about a possible U.S. attack, Milley saying that his task was to de-escalate. I know, I am certain, that President Trump did not intend to attack the Chinese. And it is my directed responsibility, and it was my directed responsibility by the Secretary, to convey that intent to the Chinese. Back to Afghanistan, Milley says the U.S. made some big mistakes trying to reform the Afghan army. The mirror imaging of the building of the Afghan National Army Uh, based on American doctrine, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And that made a military that may, uh, I'm going to wait full evaluation, but may have been overly dependent upon us, our presence, contractors, uh, and higher tech uh, systems in order to fight a counterinsurgency war. No sugarcoating of what went down in Afghanistan. Outcomes in a war like this, uh, an outcome that is a strategic failure, the enemy is in charge in Kabul. There's no way else to describe that. That outcome is a cumulative effect of 20 years, not 20 days. And there are a huge amount of strategic, operational, and tactical lessons that need to be learned from this. When pressed, Milley told the committee that, in his opinion, at least 2,500 U.S. troops were needed to guard against a collapse of the Kabul government and a return to Taliban rule. Salem Radio News military affairs analyst, retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis. Evidently, uh, the president, uh, in his own words, uh, said he never heard that. And so you have to conclude either the the president ignored uh, what his military advisors all said, which was consistent across those three people at least, uh, or uh, he didn't tell the truth. All of this was avoidable if the Trump administration's agreement with the Taliban had been kept. Instead, President Biden chose to withdraw completely. Initially, that was on September the 11th, I think, as a political stunt. And then uh, in July, I believe, or June, he decided he was going to change that to the 31st of August. And, of course, uh, he broadcast that. The, the Taliban you know, embraced that idea and threatened to take action if we weren't gone, as promised, by the 31st of August. Senator Tom Cotton says that either President Biden ignored his military advisors or the military leaders have lied to Congress. Daybreak Insider's Eric Cudd says infighting among the Democrats and the White House over trillions in spending is dividing the party and causing considerable frustration for the president. Pressure is mounting on President Biden to trim back his $3.5 trillion federal government overhaul to win over holdout fellow Democrats. Biden canceled a Wednesday trip to Chicago to keep working on a deal that has the president and lawmakers considering ways to adjust the proposals. All eyes are on notable holdout Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki says the package will cost nothing. Some have expressed publicly that they're not comfortable with uh, 3.5, even though zero costs zero dollars. The National Review now reports Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont is joining New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other members of the squad, urging fellow Democrats in the House to vote against the bipartisan infrastructure bill when it comes to the floor for a vote Thursday. Unless Congress first passes the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. 
Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett says most voters oppose the $3.5 trillion spending bill and are also opposed to raising the debt ceiling. A new Rasmussen reports National Telephone and Online Survey finds that just 36% of U.S. likely voters support passage of the $3.5 trillion spending bill that currently has Congress deadlocked. That includes 23% who strongly support passage of the Reconciliation Bill, 53% who are opposed to the passage of the $3.5 trillion spending measure, including 41% who strongly oppose passage. 10% are not sure. The survey of 1,000 likely voters was conducted between September 23rd and 26th, with a plus or minus 3% margin of error and a 95% level of confidence. Meanwhile, the president's approval ratings continue to fade. The Rasmussen Report's daily presidential tracking poll shows that 40% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Biden's job performance, 58% disapprove. The latest figures include 21% who strongly approve of the job Mr. Biden is doing and 50% who strongly disapprove. This gives him a presidential approval index rating of minus 29 Appearing before the Senate Banking Committee, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that Congress must act to raise the government's borrowing limit. It is imperative that Congress address the debt limit. If not, our current estimate is that Treasury will likely exhaust its extraordinary measures by October 18th. Yellen says Congress must cover the pandemic support programs it has already approved. We must address this issue to honor commitments made by this and prior Congresses, including those made to address the health and economic impact of the pandemic. It's necessary to avert a catastrophic event for our economy. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says inflation pressures have remained high due to pandemic supply chain issues. We are seeing upward pressure on prices, particularly due to supply bottlenecks in some sectors. These effects have been larger and longer-lasting than anticipated, but they will abate. And as they do, inflation is expected to drop back toward our longer-run 2% goal. The Fed could raise its benchmark short-term interest rate if inflation does not abate. Bottlenecks, hiring difficulties, and other constraints could again prove to be greater and more enduring than anticipated, posing upside risks to inflation. If sustained higher inflation were to become a serious concern, we would certainly respond and use our tools to ensure levels that are consistent with our goal. The strength of the U.S. economy still depends on the course of the virus. The Delta variant has led to a surge in cases, causing human suffering and slowing the recovery. Continued progress on vaccinations would support a return to more normal economic conditions. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters says the Fed chair's job is in jeopardy. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren faced off with Fed Chair Jerome Powell at a Senate hearing, telling him she will oppose giving him a second term as head of the central bank. Warren called Powell a dangerous man and says his role in regulating our nation's banks gives her grave concern. Thousands of British gas stations have run dry. The country's Gasoline Retailers Association, representing almost 5,500 independent outlets, says about two-thirds of its members report that they had sold out of fuel. Transport Minister Grant Shapps says their tentative signs, the fuel crisis snarling the country, is easing. But it will be a while before the situation returns to normal, he adds. He's urging people not to hoard gasoline, calling that extremely unhelpful. Many gas stations around Britain have shut in the past few days because they've run out of fuel, with lines of vehicles at pumps that are open and tempers fraying amid hours-long waits. 
The government has put army troops on standby to help get gas to stations and help ease the crisis, triggered by a shortage of truck drivers. Charles Diladesma, London. Meanwhile, OPEC is chiming in. The cartel is saying crude will still be the world's leading source of energy for decades to come. The Vienna-based organization said that it inherently supports efforts to reduce the amount of carbon from fossil fuels used in the energy mix. And it says energy use in rich countries will likely decline due to increasing efficiency, lower growth, and aging populations. But growing populations and new middle classes in the rest of the world will demand more energy. It cautions that government's ambitious plans to reduce fossil fuel emissions remain just that, plans. John Scott reporting. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Join us again tomorrow. I'm Rich Thomason. 